for me, it starts with the people, getting the right people in place. And from there, you know, we get the purpose. Why are we doing this? Why is each individual doing what they are doing and what are they bringing to the table? And that filters through within the players. Welcome to the latest edition of the City Voice podcast. I know the St. Louis City fans are going to be thrilled because I've got Bradley Carnell back on the show. Um, Bradley, I think last time we spoke was uh, early January. Uh, we're now in September. Time has flown. Lots of things have happened. Um, how has it been for you? Yeah, it's been an amazing journey, you know, personally, professionally, personally, just settling down with the family and getting settled in the home and what have you, getting the kids into school. Um, and we've seen great strides within the family environment, you know, so that's great. And then on the professional side, wow, <laughs> where do we start? Where do we stop? I mean, we've had so many wonderful experiences and almost uh, lifelong memories, career memories, uh, if you so say it. But uh, even looking at that, we, we said the lights are not on. Remember, I always spoke about this uh, narrative, the lights not being on. And slowly but surely, you know, and, and especially after last week, moving into the training ground and getting one step closer to a stadium game and what have you, those lights are slowly coming on. And we can just say we've achieved so much. Um, yeah, and we're still not done with the year. So there's still so much more, I feel, to grow within the next couple of months. And uh, we've seen, you know, a great contribution from from the the city two team uh, going from strength to strength, we've got an action packed schedule. But before before we get into the the meet uh, today, when you arrived at the football club, it's very rare in soccer to come to a start up. It's you know, is it like how, how many new soccer clubs start at the level um, yeah. that this club's trying to start? Where did you start? Where did you you know what was your what what was day one looking like for you? Day one was. Building culture, philosophy, identity. You know, that for me, whether it was off the field, on the field, messaging with the players, starting off, I remember three, four days before we had our first meeting with City 2, I just wanted to know, do we look and feel like a professional soccer club? I want those players to walk in the door, feel valued like pros, whether it was City 2 or whether it was an MLS team. I just wanted them to feel like they're part of something. and we made sure that from day one, knowing that these players are going to be building something special, the foundations, the roots, that we, the structure, you know, for me, that was the most important thing of getting structure within our playing style and our identity. So um, I think those were probably the, the main seeds we planted early on uh, to give the players the, the feeling of being involved, um, sort of uh, embraced and, and driven on a performance environment. We'll talk about the the playing philosophy in a little bit more detail as we go on but culture is a really interesting one you hear a lot of um a lot of top managers and coaches around the world talking about culture um what what goes into your culture and the way that you think about it specifically because every person has a slightly different spin on one yeah i try i try and invert the triangle usually you start at the peak of a triangle and and work your way down the foundations i try and turn that pyramid upside down the triangle upside down and for me people you know purpose, principles, and then the passion, you know? So a lot of people just start with the passion and forget 
where they're going with this whole journey. Uh, for me, it starts with the people, getting the right people in place. And from there, you know, we get the purpose. Why are we doing this? Why is each individual doing what they are doing and what are they bringing to the table? And that filters through within the players, you know. So we've all driven the players in a certain way to ask why they, they shouldn't be doing it for me. They shouldn't be doing it for the club. They should be doing it for whatever they feel values their satisfaction. You know, why do they do what they do? And that's what drives me every day. That's what drives the staff. Um, and, and it's more this collective passion that we all have for starting something special, starting something new, because it's never going to be done again in the city of St. Louis. So we want to make uh, those impressions lasting and uh, hopefully, you know, long may it live. Recruitment is difficult in business because if you make the wrong hire... Uh, things can go wrong pretty quickly. You came in uh, and had to work with Lutz and John to hire basically an entire team um, at rapid speed. Um, what was the approach for that? Like, how do you, how do you make so many decisions so quickly? Well, I mean, kudos to to John and Lutz. You know, I think John came in a few months prior to me, um, and Lutz already had his uh, sort of. You know, in his bucket of shopping list, he already had a few pieces in place. Um, but John's done a man magnificent job with recruitment of the City 2 team. You know, that team was pretty much up and running. When I arrived, John had said, hey, we have like 18 guys, 19 guys. And then, I, you know, I assisted in the recruitment of a couple more. But, um, you know, John, John really hit the ground running with uh, his network and his knowledge of the game in and around uh, North America. So, yeah, that was a pretty easy one, you know. But then there's the staffing. There's all the other things. And I think the Zoom calls with players from the MLS, uh, you know, Zoom is great. You know, thanks to the pandemic, we've learned to connect with other people and we don't have to fly out of the country as much now. So we've connected with 60, 70 players via Zoom calls, you know, and wow. we have seven, you know, across the borders already. So uh, really excited about the, the, the progression and the development of that. But again, it takes a lot of, you know, you say, how have you done it? I think it's just been a lot of a we mentality to get the job done, to get things done. And, you know, we, we're growing every day. I think when I first arrived, we got enough... Ashley, she always sends out our good morning emails. And I think we were up to 40 staff members in January. And now I think it's 120. Uh, you know what I'm wow. saying? So uh, just watching the progression and growth within the environment, not just on the performance side, but also seeing just the, the whole core of the company growing. So you, you, you bring to, the, the club brings together all of these players. Um, we were introduced to City 2, like, you know, early on in the year. What were your expectations going into the season? Because this is supposed to be a, a development league, um, but I know the, the the top the top guys in coaching want to win. So, what were you thinking? What, what was the best outcome for the season for you at the start? Yeah, listen. I mean, would we be com competitive from day one? I would like to have thought so. Are we competitive right now? Yes. Was that because we signed great individuals, or did we collectively? have a pathway, you know, and, and I believe, especially in our style of play, that the collective is always the winner. You know what I mean? For us, it's not just uh, a one-man show and it's a one uh, one talented player is going to run the whole sequence of events for us on game day. Um, I, for, I believe our culture starts with uh, a mindset of being against the ball, being relentless against the ball, our mentality. We went into preseason, we hopped against the ball, against the ball, against the ball, and I don't think we've ever wavered from that. And that's been our core principle uh, or our, our core sort of phase of play, uh, you would say. Say, you know, from our defensive structure, 
now starting all this attacking play. Um, and the more good we are, or the, the more often we win the ball, <laughs> the more reps we get at going to goal. So, you know, I, th- I think that's a, a really great concept uh, to, to harp on and, and to make sure the collective and to make sure that, you know, we need 10 guys to uh, defend and 10 guys to attack, you know, plus a very uh, brave and courageous goalkeeper. So the the playing philosophy is um, something Lutz has talked to us about on the on on the on the podcast in the past. He's brought it over from Germany. You were picked based on your interpretation of the philosophy. Can you give um, people a, a bit of an overview? Like I know you've talked a little bit about there, but like what 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 does a playing philosophy mean, and um, why is it so important at every level of a club? Yeah, I think it just gives you structure, right? You can't face one opponent this week and come up with a new identity based on that opponent. I think you have to have a core of your own structure, your own identity, and then within that, you know, you manifest little ways and intricate ways how you can beat opponent X, Y, and Z in three-week sequences. You know, like uh, next weekend, it's to opponent X. We come up with that, but within our within our structure, within our foundations, within our philosophy. So we, we don't reinvent the wheel every Monday. You know, we, we don't joystick and say, hey, we gave up this this weekend, let's work on that. Uh, we, we, we make sure we stick to our process and we stick to our principles. Um, and that for me is, is way worth its weight than, than just a tactical day based on this opponent. Within the game, the game figures things out and the whistle blows and you're all now, it's this bout back and forth, back and forth. But what gets you through in the end, I believe, is your principles and who you are and what you've put in during the week will often get you over the, the end line. Were you surprised that the new players adapted to the system so quickly? I mean, it felt like from game day one, it, you're up and running, winning yeah, games. I think, again, you just have to go hard with what you believe in. And I always said playing this way it's, it's not something you say. It's something you have to live, you have to experience, and you have to be a living role model of it. And I feel it's easy for me to go out and talk against the ball. It's easy for me to talk and go and be on the front foot and proactive and brave. It's just, it's something that I've always tried to have been. I, I've, never, I've never been afraid of anybody or anything in my life. I've always been you know, always like to have thought I'm very brave and courageous and whatever comes my way, I accept these challenges and move on. I might, I might fail and learn or I might succeed and grow. So um, there's been many moments when we've spoken to our players in this way. Don't second guess. Rather just go, you know, we talk about a term, go all the way. Just go all the way. Be brave. No worry about our mistakes because we have certain mechanisms built in. Our mistake mode, you know, we have a counter press. We, we have little other filters within a turnover in a, in a transition phase or in a style of play or in a possession phase. We have little metrics built in or, or little moments built in there where we can get the guys out of a mistake. And, but it just needs a collective buy-in. It needs everybody to be connected. It needs everybody to be in the vicinity of where the ball is. That's our reference. Our reference is always the ball. How much of, um, of the system that you create is, um, is programmed versus, you know, I've, I've heard others in the club talk about um, creativity. So there's creativity and structure. Like how do you balance those two elements um, in a chaotic environment? Like yeah, so? I think I think you divvy the field up into thirds, maybe attacking wise, um, and sort of one and two will be the structure. Guys, let us help you get there, right? Phase three, attacking third, 
that's where the individual, you know, his talent, the creativity, the willingness, the desire, the passion, I think that's all gets you, you know, how do I free myself in a 1v1? How do I challenge the, the opposition lines? All built around certain tactics within the day. Do we stretch the opponent to create space underneath? Or do we play behind and stretch lines behind, you know? So um, that, that is all independent on each opposition what what the game gives us or you know what the scout during the week gives us but yeah i think the creativity and the freedom part for sure we want our players to be brave and free but you know 20 yards from our goals structure has to prevail structure discipline organization move up break those lines let's move on all right let's get to the final third okay guys my job's done now it's your job <laughs> to now break those lines get into those final positions for sure we have little uh, you know metrics crossing you know where do we cross the ball what type of crosses do we emphasize so for sure we build that all in within the creativity and the freedom of the individual you're um, a very data driven person i know that you yep. pay close attention to the numbers um i wanted to talk about some of the interesting uh data that is on offer at the moment and see if you could help explain sure what's great about it so first we're going to start on goals nice and easy <laughs> um 49 goals in 22 games. Yep. Um, so you're scoring over two goals a game, which is outrageous. Uh, 15 players have scored goals this season and five have scored more than five, which is crazy. Um, talk to me about the goals and what excites you the most about how they're being scored. Yeah, a few things. I mean, the way the goals are being scored, um, they're beautiful in our eyes not based on always just with the ball. A lot of the times we get rewarded for going the extra inch, you know, in turnovers, in attacking transitions. How do we counter press, win the ball, exploit certain areas, you know, and how quick can we get to those moments? So a lot of our goals have come in transition. We always spoke about the 60-30-10. The so 60% of goals will be scored in transition, 30 will be scored in set pieces, and 10% only in possession. So, you know, we always have a look and reference that and see where we go. We go back to the drawing boards. Are we sitting true to ourselves, who we want to be? What is our signature on each and every game or each and every goal? Um, and we recently did a little, uh, you know, uh, homework driven. I gave uh, sort of Elvia, asked him, the assistant coach, uh, you know, let's have a look, put them in certain buckets. And we were way high in the attacking transition mode where we reward ourselves for our defensive plays, you know, because that's the hardest thing. It's easy just to get back behind the ball, wait for a mistake, but we want to induce mistakes further up the field and, and have a really short distance uh, to get to goal. And I feel the attacking transition part has been great. And, you know, it's always good you have to measure yourself with the opposition so you say 49 goals but where does that put us does it put us last in the league or does it put us first in the league so i think currently that's why i brought my computer you know uh, just to try and help you out <laughs> so currently we're sitting third you know obviously tacoma defiance uh, seattle columbus um and then we're sitting in third on 49 goals so yeah over two goals a game over two points per game as well which is interesting you know i've always wanted to work within that two point per game region which definitely gets you into playoffs which definitely gets you challenging for titles. And all of that, what we've spoken about in the beginning of the season, we can drive ourselves and hold ourselves accountable. Did we hold ourselves you know, to those measures? And for the most part, we're pretty happy with the progression. And with regards to sharing the load, I mean, you constantly talk about not, you know, you're not about the individual players. Yep. Like 15 players. <laughs> it's 15 amazing. 15 players scoring goals. Yeah, which, which gives you, okay, 
are we reliant on X or Y or Z? It's not just those up up the top, you know what I mean? So those has been amazing and he's been the, the, the sort of kingpin for us in terms of getting goals. But then we do share the load and you can see the system prevails over the individual and that's a perfect example. Like in terms of assists, you know, co combined assists with our attacking, you know, where are we in the league? I think we are second. We actually tie first with Columbus for 39 assists in the league, you know. So it's not just an individual scoring a wow goal out of nothing you know we actually contribute and everyone's in on it and we spoke about the connectivity of each attacking unit or each unit um, whether it's you know def defensive organization midfielders attackers or we go left side central right side so there's all those little components to now how do we get orchestrated set ourselves up for success and you said it yourself we have 15 different guys across the board who've contributed which which is a great step is is that something that you'll be looking for from the first team um, when you go live next year? Like sharing the load, does it is is it a weapon um, um, for opposition? Is, is it a weapon for you to have have yeah. that unpredictability in the system that anyone can pop I think, up and score? I a think goal? unpredictability is good, but we want to make that predictable. Right, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, we want to yeah. make we want to target a lot of areas that we've been working on, and we preach and we harp on it. And I don't want to give like any secrets away, but I mean, we speak about certain areas when we win it. Where is our option A? Where is our option B? Okay, we settle for option C, which is square or backwards. You know what I mean. So, option A, you know, we want to get to the, you know, option A is, you know, we want to get as dangerous as as possible, as quickly as possible. But um, yeah, we hop on these things, and and we know that we want to get into dangerous areas. Uh, certain teams are struggled. You know, they struggle to get into position. When they do, they're hard to break down. We saw it with uh, Houston Dynamo 2 at the weekend. Once they're organized and they're the best defensive team in the league, they were tough to break down. So how quickly, what other measures did we come up with? We had 62 attacking chances in that game, you know, but only a 23% success rate of getting shots off. So we still got a high number of shots, six, uh, 15 shots, only five on target, you know. So... We weren't really true in that aspect that we really, in those transition moments, we didn't hurt them as much as we would have liked to have, you know, and they became really tough to break down when they were just in their two banks of four, plus then, you know, an, a, a nine and a 10 or what have you, just plugging up the pieces. So it, it was progressively more difficult and uh, yeah, credit to them, they, they made our lives difficult. It's, it's amazing to hear you uh, like f feel that we could do better than five shots on target because a lot of clubs would look at five shots on target and be pleased with that sort of output. Yeah, I mean, without getting too granular in the data, but we have a look each week. The MLS Next Pro gave a great little stats package on the weekends, on the Mondays, and you can have a look and you can see where all we are in terms of attacking contributions, attacking shots, yeah. and where are we defensively? So we always, you know, from day one, we wanted to be competitive or attacking in that regard, and we believe our style of play. We speak against the ball, defensive. No, it's not. It's it, we we brainwashed, our, you know, the players to think the amount of times we win the ball on turnovers. If we use those turnovers wisely, we'll get tons and tons of attacking chances. So again, if I go to our attacking, you know, uh, metrics, uh, shots taken, 
over the course of 22 games, 362 shots taken. You know what I mean? So I don't know what that average is, but we're second in the league. Um, you know, so again, if we look at that, great. We're creating a ton of chances. All right, we might not be scoring the most. We're in the top three of scoring, but we're really shots on target. I think we are also third in the league. Um, but again, we can't just be all open when we talk about structure. What do we look like when we don't get those shots off, when they get blocked? How is our defensive transition mechanisms? How, how many chances do we give up? Well, we give up the least in the league, you know, uh, which is a very interesting metric. So we take the most or second most, but we're giving up the least. You know, that for me is hugely rewarding. And if I could, I'd print them everywhere in every meal room, office, locker room, because that would drive me every day. If I see we have a style of play, we take the well, one of the most shots and we concede the least. So that is extremely enriching and rewarding and shows me we're on the right track. Poor goalkeepers got nothing to do. <laughs> um, so, so I, I do think that that is an interesting uh, topic of conversation, conceding the least shots because traditionally you'd think, well, that's, you know, we've got great tacklers in the team, but it's so much more than that, constricting shots. Could you could you talk to me about two things? Like, what is the approach to um, constricting opposition to not having a lot of shots? And, like, how do you use off-the-ball movement to prevent that? Well, we want to limit time and space. So whether we lose the ball high up the field, we want to be really aggressive at trying to get it back. We, we really want to keep the team in a lot of chaotic moments. You know, when they, when they get the ball, they want to settle down, they want to get their head up, the individual driving the ball would like to have options. But if somebody's down his throat really quickly, he can only play sideways or backwards. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's one of the ways. Um, and then there's also training methods, obviously. So when we're in training during the week, uh, we have certain, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen our new beautiful training facility. We have amazing fields with nice dotted lines on them. And, yeah, and odd grids odd that people grids, are wondering about. You know, so there's, those are all reference points. You know, So we speak about lanes and channels. Um, so when we are defending, we spoke about defending as a collective, right? Our, defensive orientation is always the ball so we always get numbers in and around where the ball is to make sure we're creating numbers up we're creating advantages we're creating two versus ones we double down it's an american term right double down yeah yeah double down two versus one uh, against the ball so inadvertently we feel when we win the ball we have numbers up now because if we created those numbers up when we win it we should have one or two more than the opponent because when the opponent has the ball they usually open up and stretch the game. They want to stretch you, which is, you know, the part and parcel of the soccer game, you know. Have the ball, open up, stretch the opponent. And that's what other teams would like to do. If we limit that and limit those big chances and big switches, you know, for sure, it's it's huge risk, huge reward, you know, and that's how we live. We, we live by being brave. We live on a risky edge, but we enjoy that challenge. We enjoy, you know, challenging the players. We enjoy challenging ourselves. And we feel we have a pretty good sort of record now of seeing if it's working or if it's not working. Talking of risk, there are some oddities in the data that, uh, for people that maybe aren't familiar with your style of play that people are asking about. Like, how can a team that doesn't dominate possession be as creative as we are? And secondly, um, pass completion rate 
isn't up <laughs> right up than you know the ninety percent. Yeah, but you're but you're still winning. How does how does it? You're still winning and you're defending well. How do, how do these two you know less possession and less pass completion rate? How do they compute? Yeah, you're gonna have to excuse me here, but over the last four or five years, there was a stat. Somebody put it out, you know, in the Twitter world, that the most competitive teams who have less than I don't know, is it 75% possession or accuracy, passing accuracy, and teams who, there was a stat, and for the life of me, I won't be able to remember it right now in the podcast, but teams with less of the ball within the MLS have become more successful, right? So if you look at now just from a style of play point of view, transition point of view, Philadelphia, for example, you know, they've become hugely exciting in the attacking end of the th- the field, because they value less of the ball, you know it's 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 a known fact. And even if you transfer it over into the next pro, um, if I click on the passing and passing percentage accuracy, we only have a completion rate of seventy two percent. So who's next? In- oh, it's Philadelphia, seventy three percent. So the pressing teams or teams who value less of the ball but more quality chances that they can create with the ball. We don't value the east to west playing style, you know. We really want to hurt you when you're not organized. And and I think that's what it is. It's it's how quickly, how vertical, how brave can we get to getting shots off? You know, when we put ourselves into good spots to try and exploit the opponent when they're set up for their attacking phases. Um, and you see a lot of teams valuing less of the ball um, these days uh, because we feel or teams in this mindset or this mode you have to work and stretch the opponent a lot of times and you could give the ball away at top of your own 18 on a square lateral pass it's like it's a worthless pass but it might stretch the opponent a little bit in some way maybe you know or a big diagonal switch there's a lot of things that we don't really value in our style of play are they forbidden no but do they help us we feel a certain style helps us more than trying to go east to west. So you've been attending a majority of the City 2 games this season. John Hackworth um, has been the interim coach there for the season. When you're at the games, uh, what, what's, your, what's your role? Not telling. I'm not telling. <laughs> See, off the record? No, no I'm, te- I'm, te- I'm, I'm joking. Um, so, you know, we have a good little uh, routine, uh, John and myself, uh, with Elvia, the assistant coach, and as well as Alexander Langer, who, who takes care and does an amazing job with uh, the set pieces. Um, by the way, set piece goals. You know, I think we're third in the league as well, you know, for the highest set piece goals. So um, I don't know if it's more than 30%. I think it is. Uh, But if you think about, you know, just in terms of style of play, again, set pieces for us are hugely important. And again, we value and we measure that as well. So uh, game day structure, it looks like this. I'm sitting with Nico, uh, our video analyst from up top. It's always easy from a nice air-conditioned room. And when we're telling the guys to run and sprint again, you know, and I'm telling Alexander through an earpiece, I'm saying, hey, we've got to get the guys to run more. It's nice and easy from my climate-controlled room where it's nice and cool <laughs> and comfortable, you know? Yeah. So what I feel for the players sometimes and sometimes in the brutal summer months, our style of play, you know, takes a bit of a hit, but then we just have to find certain moments in certain areas of the field and 
pick our moments wisely. But uh, yeah, we never really want to get into that mode. We always feel if we can, on a hot summer's day, outwork the opponent more, they will throw in the towel a lot earlier, you know. So, um, but that's the structure on game day. I make sure that we have a good uh, a routine for halftime, making sure that we have video clips, we have video footage. You, you know? go real-time video we clips. Go, we go real time, not real-time to the bench, we go halftime. Yeah. So we pick two or three with the ball, two or three moments against the ball, um, and we show how we can, how teams are hurting us, how we can hurt the opposition even more. So, you know, I feel we've, that's even a moment of growth, right? A couple of months ago, we weren't able to do that. Now we can do it. So it's little baby steps and, and getting better as, as a working functioning unit and just getting everybody on a similar page, which helps the team at the end of it. So really excited about the progression and the development. And uh, we've seen huge strides, whether it's been individual work with players, whether it's been individual videos, whether it's been post-match reviews, whether it's been pre-matches, I felt every week we've taken a step forward. That's great to hear. And you get to spend a lot of time uh, with the players. Can you talk to me about what you've loved about this class of youngsters that's come through um, over the last 22 games? Just willingness and openness to commit to something to commit to the unknown, right? So a lot of these players, oh, we pressed in college, we did this in college, but the type of exposure we're trying to, as a collective, but as an individual, really putting you in an uncomfortable situation sometimes, you know, but knowing there's a teammate that's got your back. He's only five yards away. He's eight yards behind you. Don't worry. You know, that's the biggest message for all of us and and take my hat off to the players, for them to commit to something, even as early as preseason, playing against a Cincinnati MLS team in a, in a preseason warm-up. We were 2-0 down after 65 minutes, but we were really happy with that day. We were like, man, if this can translate into the beginning of the season, and there were two set pieces or what have you, know, like two out of the run of play and two set pieces, we lost 4-0 on the day. But we were really happy, and that was against Acosta and all the other guys, you know, who it was a proper MLS team. And we said, if we can do this after three days of preseason, we just didn't have enough in the tank to be mm. that competitive to bring it home. But we were like, okay, this translates, you know, and we went again the next day. We went again, Philadelphia too. And we, we, we played against these teams and really pushed ourselves. Um, and from that moment, you felt good buy-in and good growth from the players and, and a willingness to go into this little unworld known, to be a little bit uncomfortable, you know, to going all the way. And if you get exposed, don't worry, because he'll take a big touch. You've really forced him into a pressure situation where seven yards away, the guy, he takes a big touch. Now I can intercept the ball. So oftentimes you speak about your pressure will reward the secondary or even third pressure, you know, player coming, which we've seen numerous occasions this year. What are your standout moments of the season that we don't get to see? Standout like, moments? Yeah, like um, behind the scenes with the squad. Like if you had yeah. like, a, like some, some good moments with the team that you've been, that I you mean, can talk about. I, I just see a moment in, was it Vancouver maybe? It could have been Vancouver or San Jose. Recently, Ezra slips on the far post, gave you know a defensive moment, a little bit of a... <sighs> you know, hold our breath moment, Roman picks him up and gives him a hug. You know, like these type of things to show guys that have had total different careers, you know, um, played on, you know, I mean, Ezra did play in Germany for a little bit, but, you know, just two couldn't be more polar opposite, you know, one fully fledged world star, the other one trying to get there. Um, and, and we show this commitment to each other. We show this growth. We show this 
through what we do and what we love to do, little moments of like this, so camaraderie, sticking up for each other. We, we did a food drive, players bringing in little, um, you know, tins of food and, and really, you know, helping each other out. We've seen a lot of growth. We have a fine wheel when guys, we hold each other accountable to certain things. We make it fun. We make it interactive. We, we have Ezra. He's our MC. He spins the wheel for us. Miggy gives us a thumbs up or the thumbs down. If the guy tried to sneak the spin and get it to stop on the, you know, free pass move, you yeah. know, that's not allowed. So we, we drive and hold accountability everywhere we go. Um, and that's been one of the most enriching and rewarding things that I've seen this year. And, and, and it translates to then the soccer piece, right? So it wouldn't, it wouldn't translate if, if we were getting hammered every week and morale was low and the team didn't have an identity and we weren't united. And you could, you could see that. You can see it on a soccer field how is the locker room you know how is living together how is working together what is the staff like do we stay longer are we playing soccer tennis with each other you know that's also one of my favorites i get to you know play soccer tennis Put with elvio and and alex you know when 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 the players go home and we get ready for our workouts then it's the staff's turn to you know act like kids we play our soccer tennis we play our table tennis but even there it's hugely competitive and yeah we we hold each other accountable and i think that's one of the things that you know has has enlightened me most do you sometimes throw on the boots to show the youngsters who's no, I, I wouldn't say sometimes 5v2s I can still get away with or 7v3s where it's, a you know, 15 by 15 yard boxes. That's fine. But the minute it opens up and you really have to get a sprint on, I'm like, Whew, okay, it's been 11 years now. <laughs> yeah. um, talk to me about some of the players that have impressed you that maybe don't always get the plaudits they deserve. Um, I mean, we we can go... Total guys that are not in no one's radars, but like Miggy Perez, you know, he hasn't had a ton of games, but it's a kid who shows up every single day and has grown within the year, you know, so it might be frustrating. He might only play down a level, you know, he might go to the 17s, he might, um, you know, go and play with the 19s now as well. Um, but every time he comes to training and every time he's played with us you know whether it's been a Chicago against Chicago Fire a couple couple of weeks ago he's shown great growth and I'm so happy you know that makes me Fritz Vollmer like another guy who empties his tank every single day gets rewarded with a um, next pro or MLS all-star next uh, um, you know appearance uh, so these guys even Josh Mayer like the guys they empty their tanks every single day we have a look at the GPS data we have a look at you know their running stats and they empty the tank every single day and they go down and they lead by example you know which I think it helped you know these guys really growing when they got to the 17s got to the playoffs and and you know, really making a push and what have you. So yeah, we expect them to be leaders then when they go down to their respective age groups and there they lead, which is right. great validation. They grow with us and there they have to lead, which is really cool. And then, you know, you can go a little bit higher up to say, okay, Josh Yarrow, he came in here knowing that he's going to be part of an MLS roster next year. Um, he's just a born leader he's a fantastic human being and and he's a joy to be around you know he lives and breathes our identity he's grown within the style of play we feel that even at 27 or 28 he's already grown again within his career you know what i mean so he's helped us 
style of play stylistically with the rest of the squad pushing and driving daily messages even within uh, on game day within the groups within the locker room and then Kyle Hebert is, is another one who now joins him earned himself a contract played out of his socks week in week out is a very durable guy every game um, great human being wrecked up the minutes you know and scored yeah. a couple of important goals as well so he's he's showed tremendous growth we knew in preseason after two weeks we knew he had the tools does he have the functionality? Can he integrate? Can he be part of this project going forwards? And, 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 and he's shown to be a great person as well. So, you know, he's also earned himself and rewarded himself with, with an MLS contract. We're going to move into a new section. It's called Getting to Know You. And um, it's very simple. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions and you're going to give me your honest answers. <laughs> um, first one, favorite St. Louis restaurant? Citizen Kane's. Or Indo. Ooh. Depends what I'm in the mood for. <laughs> Very nice. Favorite TV series? Oh, man. I'm going to be one of the all or nothings. I mean, I'm not very high on TV series. Arsenal all nothing? Arsenal's great at the moment. I'm enjoying that. I'm all in at the moment. Yep. Love to hear that. Favorite team to watch outside City 2? Uh, probably Leeds United these days. <laughs> got a relationship with uh, with the manager there by chance? By chance. I mean, you know, it's no secret. Jesse and I, you know, have a very unique and you know, a great relationship with each other. He was the one who got me in um, at the Red Bulls, you know, in, in 2017. And we keep in touch and we bounce around, you know, with each other's ideas and we catch up very frequently. So, yeah, extremely um, fortunate to be following him and I'm extremely proud of him as well for the steps he's taken. Yeah. Reading, uh, reading reports that NBC is shifting around TV schedules because Leeds are the, the hot team this. to watch. Well, I think it's an amazing, it's not amazing, I think it's important. You know, you look at the American contributions within the team. So Aronson, Harrens, Harrison, Tyler Adams, Jesse, there's a massive footprint of America and it's so important and vital that these guys do well and succeed and get our support because... I'm saying, ow, I'm not American, but I just feel it's so important for the MLS. It's so important for for the national team. There's just so many things that, yeah, we have to give our 100% support of these guys. Really exciting. Uh, winter or summer? Um, summer. FIFA or Call of Duty? Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo, curveball. Yeah. Yep. Curveball. Yep. Toasted Rav or gooey butter cake? Oh, Toasted Rev. Now, I know you're going to be shy on this question, <laughs> but don't be. Golf handicap. And be honest here. Be honest. Because there not, are people watching from the club. No, but it's not great. I'm about a 15. About a 15. Mm-hmm. Listen, this, I can tell you, I can just validate and quantify why I don't believe I'm any better than that because my consistency sucks, you know? So I can show up and, and have a great drive you know, you drive for show, put for dough, you know. Yeah. And I, at times I'll drive for show, great. Or my short game will be on and perfect, but my driving will be terrible. So I'm hugely inconsistent. So it's around about a 15. Anybody uh, watching this from the club will know that <laughs> there is very little chance of anybody else winning a golf day while Bradley's about. <laughs> uh, fun fact that no one will know about you. Fun fact. Actually, I got my ra- driver's license for racing in Germany. Oh, wow. So for car racing, it was one of my hobbies. I stayed very close to the Hockenheim ring, um, did my licenses. I did uh, advanced driving with customers. So I had a buddy who was an advanced driver 
worked with sort of the the pace car race car driver as well so they ran a company of advanced driving after trainings i would go to them and hang around the hockenheim ring had nothing else to do you know um learned how to drive that is a great fact uh final one prediction for the world cup that's coming this year oh man that's that's a tough one mm. i don't know it's just <laughs> Some teams are great at qualifying, have a have a terrible World Cup. Some teams are terrible at qualifying, have a great World Cup. So, I don't know. You, I, I want you to give me a couple of names, and I will probably then say. Listen, I'm going to put it out there. England, we've we've done a semi final and a final. We've got a young team uh, coming through. Um, on paper, Brazil. You would think, on paper. Everyone's always said for the last how many years England has a chance, you know, and I'm sure you've been bitterly disappointed. <laughs> I have been bitterly disappointed. There's not been a lot of joy uh, for for me, but losing in a final was a yeah. was a high point. I think I think conditions are going to play a role. New environments are going to play a role. So, is there a team you know that no one has on the map that can maybe strike something? So always a surprise package. There's always a surprise package, but I'm not going to lay my head out anywhere and put my head on the block for you here. That is, that is wise. <laughs> that is wise. Okay, we're going to move into the final section and this is going to be an exciting one because um, we want to hear some of your thoughts about 2023. You've been working with Lutz to identify players. Um, you've signed some exciting names. Um, how has the process of selection been working um, between you both? Yeah, great. Um, you know, we've often bounced around ages, personalities, styles of plays. So it's it's taken a lot and playing a unique way like ours, it's not just the best player. It's the right player with the right tools. So the guys that we've brought in and we don't for one minute think we've seen the best of them, right? Because this essentially is their preseason. They ramp it up to have a holiday, then to go on preseason again and ramp it up and February 24th or whatever it is, we'll play our first game. So, you know, based on what we have and what we've seen, we're so happy with the guys here, you know, and we're even more so happy with the type of people they are. Um, so, yeah, we have different guys from different walks of life. We have different cultures. And and just to see the integration of everybody plus their style of play commitment and, and what they do against the ball has been, from what we saw on video, it's been hugely translatable. Has it been perfect? No, but we don't expect it to be perfect now. We don't, we don't really care if it's perfect now. It's like they go into the gas station, filling up the tank. We give them... 15 minutes, we give them 30 minutes, we give them 45 minutes, and we progress these guys. So for sure, we'll have ups and downs. For sure, one guy might even break down a little bit. There might be a few, all right, take him out for a week. We, we're in no rush right now, and that's the beauty of getting guys in early. You know, and we're so, again, f- f- uh, grateful and, and fortunate for an ownership group to get us these guys early on because Lutz always said, we don't want to come February. Hey, here's 25 players. If we can use any mechanisms in place now to become familiar with each other, to become familiar with a style of play, and to get guys now, your o- overseas contingent, acclimated sooner than later, whether it be private or professionally, you know, it's been a it's been a, an amazing process. So let's talk about the players that you've got. I'd love to get a bit of a quick hit overview okay. of what they're all about um, and why you like them for the okay. team. Uh, let's start with um, Roman Berkey, signed from Borussia Dortmund, um, big profile, um, champions. You know, he's played in the Champions League. Um, talk to me about the guy. 
Yeah, so a guy who is a magnificent leader by doing. He gets on the field, he's ready, he, his body knows what he needs, you know, and, and I think it's been an, a really incredible journey for everybody to see, and I'm sure Michael and Ian and Eric, you know, from day one, just to see where is my ceiling, how much can I grow, where can I go? based on what I'm seeing and living right here, you know? And I take my hat off to Roman. We were training a few months ago, you know, at, at less fortunate facilities where the fields are not great. We, you know, we, the fields are bumpy. They might have not had any water on them. Or you know, we had to make sure that we push the envelope. How good can we get an environment ready for the guys coming in? But Roman has been great since day one, making sure he's just integrated. You know, he's just been Roman. He hasn't been this big standout. He hasn't been any anybody other than just a regular player being part of a team and wanting to grow. So he even feels and, and can see that within our style of play, there's still room for growth for him. He's used to a certain way, but I love the way he can now start a transition. His feet, his, his capabilities, picking out a player on a dime, you know, whether it's been out of his hands or whether it's been from a goal kick. We've, I think San Jose... He plays one to Ben Mines. Ben Mines heads one down the line. We go and score a goal. So, you know, he's rewarded us with just setting the bar one level higher. And I would say this, he challenges us. You know, the guys, he's been around the block. He knows what it is. He, he can drive and hold accountability and stick up for his players. If he doesn't agree with something, he always wants to know from the coaching staff, hey, can you tell us and just inform us why we are doing this? So it's great. Keeps everybody accountable and keeps even ourselves coaches honest and making sure we're on the money every time because everyone's watching, So which is good. It's really good. That's brilliant. Okay, next one. Pedro. Scored a screamer the other week. He scored a screamer. So, I mean... Integration for him, he always says he can't speak English. I think his English is magnificent. You know, I think he's really, he's not shy. He's able to speak. He says his opinions and he leads as well. Obviously, with his fitness levels, you know, we've, we've pushed a little bit of him early on and we've seen him get to a real high ceiling straight away. But then we've also seen in, in like, towards the end of a half of a game in San Jose where he, he hits his ceiling and now he's running on empty, you know? So we, we had to know how far can we push him and now we know where his thresholds are. Um, but I would say just from a personality standpoint, he's a, gra- a guy that you can automatically connect with, not just because I played the position, but I can see a really humble approach to Selmio. He, he goes the extra mile. He's very caring of his teammates he's very caring about himself he's very self-conscious about anything he does and he wants the best for his team and so it's been great discussing style of play with him and showing him um, little videos and, and and growth moments even with him because we feel he comes within an environment where he has the tools but now getting up to a speed of play or to how we do things it's a little bit new for him you know so connectedness to the game and uh, again the goal he scores is a great example of growth because maybe in another environment he might have been further away on a set piece now he's closer to the game and we call this framing the box so frame the box get closer don't be afraid if we have 10 guys 20 yards from goal on a set piece you know what I mean we we embrace this connectivity so even there he shows growth so there's potential for more screamers like that? I hope so. I mean, why not? It would be great. Oh, we'd love that. Oh, we lead the league, by the way, in goals scored from outside the box. That is a, that is a great stat. <laughs> Just while um, we're there. 
Let's talk about Thomas Ostrak, um, an exciting player. So what do you think? every time I speak to Thomas, he was like, yeah, we did this in Germany. So his coach, I know his coach, I know the system and the style of play they played. Every time I watched Cologne, I was like, yeah, this is going to relate to him and the, the runs we make and his off-the-ball movement and where he can find himself in tight pockets of spaces because he's technically a gifted guy who can certainly manipulate opposition just with a, a body turn, just with deception, just with a quick feet dribble. You know, like he can get himself time and space and give his op, uh, give his teammates great new outlooks just with his first touch and his ball movement. So he creates so many opportunities just with his first touch, which is really good for us when we talk about transition, right? When we win the ball, takes a good touch. Now we have Doles running off the ball. We have Vitor, who's an option underneath. We have Kuz is running in behind. So we have numerous outlets now. Um, and you saw on the weekend with, with Houston, he put in a magnificent first half of performance, you know, down the right-hand side. Um, and again, I don't think he's met his threshold of his fitness levels. So while we're pushing that without wanting to break him down, you know, we're going to keep on pushing that. But I feel that's a plug-and-play almost from where he was in Germany. So every stylistically point that I bring across to him, he was like, no, I get it. It's fine. So this is a very easy one for us, you know, working with him. And, and when I spoke to his agent, he says, he'll be the life of the team. Everyone loves him. I'm like, okay. And he has, he's come in, no airs and graces. He comes, does his job. You know, he enjoys being around the group. He's still young and he just connects us with the other youngsters. Some of the next pro guys are older than him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, he's just part, he's just forming friendships now and, and building relationships on and off the field, which has been amazing. It has been really good to watch. Brilliant. Okay, next one. Uh, Edward Lu uh, Leuven. Uh, Leuven. Edu, you call him, yeah, right? Yeah, Edu. Yeah, I said, do we call you Eddie? He was like, no. I was like, okay. And <laughs> Leuven in German means lion. So right. I thought he was going to chomp my head off when, when I said Eddie. You know, he He's doesn't, a big guy. He doesn't well. like Eddie. So, he doesn't like Eddie. Yep. Um, I just think from the moment that we signed him, he was a guy who would say, send me a message like, hey, coach, great Zoom meeting we had. Now, when can I get to business? And there were some issues with his visa and getting him here earlier and what have you. And he was a guy who was really, coach, can you give me the program? Can you give me a fitness? Can you do this? Can you do that? I'm like, yes, we can for sure. And I love the way you're driving this because his energy and his work rate and his openness to, to new things. And I think stylistically, um, he's going to be a great fit for us. You know, we, we've seen him in little bursts, you know, through the, the City 2 games. Um, we haven't got him up to full speed yet. We haven't got him up to sharpness yet. We haven't got him up to, you know, where he wants to be. So I can see a massive explosion when he gets going. Um, I just think he's a really... He's a leader on the field for sure. Um, you and a know, set piece demon. Set piece taker. I mean, you saw in the first couple of days after training, he put the ball in front of goals. I remember Ian McCrane was in goal just for set piece afterwards. Um, guys just want to, you know, challenge each other. He ripped one into the top corner, and I was like, "Yep, we've seen that on video. We've scouted that. You know, that's one of his things." So hopefully, he can create those weapons in the MLS next year, whether it's corners or free kicks. And you know, after two or three goals in the league, hopefully, teams will get to know about it. Him, so hopefully can, we can keep that as our secret weapon. Brilliant. Okay. Klaus. Klaus. Big Brazilian. Big Brazilian, but big personality. I love the fire this guy possesses, you know? Um, and, and he won't be angry with me telling you this, but early on when he arrived, 
we progressed minutes or we progressed these guys accordingly, you know, with, with Jared, our, our performance director. Um, and we announced that the week before prior, he's only going to get 45 minutes, you know, and our mindset behind the 45 minutes was, yeah, we want to get him a team that is tired maybe against a tight opposition, bring him on second 45. Klaus was really fiery and emotional why he didn't start the game which is amazing. I really love this. Like, this is City 2. For him, it should be, it's only City 2, but he wants to be here. He wants to be playing. And when he first got his sniff as his first goal or his first assist, you could just see momentum. And all I'm speaking about momentum because put a striker in the box and get him a goal-scoring chance and he scores one, you know how it usually happens. Those guys go on a run. And, and that's what's happened with him. So he's become hugely greedy for goals. He really wants goals. And yeah, he's a great guy to be around the locker room with. He's a great guy, especially with Vitor and Celio, you know, Brazilians around the locker room. Um, you can just see he's part of the crew right now. He's a, he's a designated player, but he's just a designated pro. You know, he's a, he's a guy who just in any environment you come into, he wants to be part of the team. He wants to, when I signed him, he was complaining that he's been loaned out all over the world. And he said, I want a home coach. And I said, I'm proud to, I want to give you a home and I'm happy that you can call this home. So hopefully, you know, he feels the same way. Um, but based on his attitude, his performance, his integration in the team, I can see he feels really welcome here. That's great. And um, he's also had some very thoughtful interactions with people that don't work on the sport inside of the club, which yep. shows he's very attuned sure. to everybody, which is you know, sure. great to know. Um, okay, uh, Joachim Nielsen. So Joachim, I actually know his brother really well. Um, and I know the family just in terms of um, a character standpoint, you know, very humble, hardworking, you know, worker mentality, blue collar mentality. And watching him towards the end of the Bundesliga season last year, he was banging in goals for his team, you know, die for the, like the day towards the, you know, relegation day, scoring goals, trying his best, leading by example. And I got goosebumps watching this guy because the way he celebrated trying to keep his team up, you know, in the league was was an inspiration to watch. And, you know, unfortunately, the, they didn't even, you know, make the World Cup with him. It would have been a great advert for, for us as well, you know, to get a St. Louis player on the World Cup map. Um, but it's unfortunate that just those little moments didn't go his way. But again, he will bring amazing experiences to the team, amazing leadership, amazing performances, because he's a guy who knows how to survive at the best, one of the best leagues in the world. You know what I mean? So we're really excited. We knew we're going to have to address this with a bit of patience. You know, he had a little niggle um, in his na in his last national team game, so we haven't quite got over that yet. But we've taken this really cautious, and we always put the person first. And we said, you Joachim, every minute that you can have to now integrate your family use that wisely because you're on a bit of time now you have to make sure that you get sorted out and get the knee back on mend um, so right now he's not even on the clock he's just you know doing his program driving his own little routines in the gym um, and he has a couple more weeks to go before we can start ramping him up All right final one uh, Mr. Jensen Mr. Jensen Mr. Jensen, I love this guy to pieces, you know, um, and I remember his dad on the line when we sign an 18 year old, you know, we have to make sure we're signing the family too, 
right? Because it's not just that we're taking this kid out of his environment and we have to make sure we're creating an environment here where he just doesn't grow as a soccer player. He has to continue to grow as a person. So we become his extended family. We become his extended parents, you know? We have to make sure that, you know, as a pro, you don't just start dreaming now thinking you've made it. I remember Ralph Rangnick wanting to take my car away that I'd ordered because he thought the car was too fancy, you know? So I kind of put myself back into Ralph's shoes back then to what are we doing with this guy's time off the field? You know, are we consuming him with things that are tangible to his career, things that are tangible to the soccer game? Are we... so? We have interactions with his family. We have interactions with the player. Um, Isaac's very hard on himself. And, you know, we know to call him Isaac. Isaac, you know, that's his, in his home country. They call him Isaac. So he's very hard on himself. When there's a mistake, he always puts his head down. I'm trying to get him to make sure that our system rewards mistakes only if your reactions are right once the mistake has been made. Very next play mentality, you know. So while he, he has such a high limit for himself, and he sets his expectations so high, but he, we just want him to trust the process and to keep growing, you know, whether it is in video, whether it is in um, weekend on game days, whether it's in uh, individual meetings or individual training sessions. So, yeah, I need him to get less on his own shoulders, you know. Uh, let me do that for him. <laughs> right. And then, uh, obviously... Kyle Heber and Josh Yarrow are part of the team. You've, you've given an we overview kind of, of them. Yeah, we, we kind of touched on those ones. But uh, yeah, really excited with the package. I have a little magnetic board in my uh, office. And every time we sign somebody, I plug in a new magnetic board in a formation. So, you know, we're filling out these positions. We have some um, targets, obviously, yeah. locally we've identified. Um, and that's one of the things when I first arrived, I gave Lutz a mock, a mock list of how the team could look in a year's time and I've given them MLS, you know, I gave them an MLS 11 as well to see what products were available through expansions, through the super drafts or what have you. So, you know, a lot of those guys, oh wow, Tejon Buchanan, he's in Belgium. Oh wow, this one's left for Europe too. Oh wow, this one got signed here on a big money move. So there's a lot of guys who've gone on to sign bigger and better deals. So we're just trying to find those gems now, you know, whether it be in the USL environment, whether it be in the next pro environment, you know, whether it be uh, in, the, in the college environment. We're just trying to identify because we know the system is the winner so and the individual will benefit when they stick to the system. Okay, let's get into some more exciting stuff. Is there going to be a preseason tour and where is it? Um, yes, uh, I wouldn't call it a tour. A tour sounds like holiday. This <laughs> is true. It's true. For me, um, it's 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 very much what we try to get off and running um, with with uh, next pro guys. So yes, we'll go away for two stints, maybe eight nine days each. You know, um, so we'll go on two preseason camps. Um, yeah, not sure of the uh, locations just yet. We have three locations in mind, but uh, obviously thinking where it's. Climate is good, travel is not too long. If the travel is long, how quick can we get there? Um, what opposition? Are there too much, you know, conference, in-conference friendly games going on? These are all things we are addressing right now. Uh, we don't want to play derby games in our preseason, for example. You know, we don't want to get that tension on the first pre-match or preseason match. You know what I mean? We Those things need to be a progression and a build-up because we don't want the tension or whatever of over-evaluating 
a derby match right there and then we want to trust the structures in place um but yeah there's the usual suspects california's florida's you know arizona's those are probably the three places on the map right now and uh, we've touched on it with city two a little bit but um, are you confident that you're going to be able to bed this identity into the side pretty quickly? I mean, those preseasons, what two, three months worth of it, or do you think? Yeah. Do you feel like it's actually nine months worth of preseason? Yeah, I think you're always growing, right? I think that's an always a process, and especially in the first year. And I think that's one of the reasons why Lutz got me in early on. I think it's one of the reasons why we were able and, and grateful for ownership to give us the advantage. Hopefully we can use this advantage to bring seven players in um, to see out the year, to become part of this identity. Um, I haven't let them in on the style of play video just yet. I want them to live it. I want them to be breathe it in training and I want them to to experience it, you know. Come preseason, when we have 20 whatever guys in there, then we'll show style of play videos, expectations, standards, behaviors. You know, we'll get to that point, but I don't want to harp on certain things now that they're not on the clock for just yet. You know what I mean? For, right. for me, it's just important to get these guys fitness, make sure they're contributing in every single way, being the best version of themselves, uplifting and, and helping the level of City 2 guys. So helping those guys grow because they can see a new ceiling for them. You know what I mean? So that's that's their objective and that's our objective for them. So And in life, there's no guarantees, you know, mm-hmm. that, that these things pan out. And we know the challenges. But like I said, I always like risks, you know, and I believe high risk, high reward. And, and that's the attitude that everybody around the club will go at every single day. And hopefully that translates to the players. So one place where I'm sure that you don't want to take risk is uh, player fitness. You've hired a sports performance director by the name of Jared Phillips. Um, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people understand how important that position is. And I know that you're quite excited about Jared. Like, t- tell me, tell me how intrinsic... Um, he is going to be to the success you have next year and like how have you been working out so far? Yeah, listen, I mean, for me, when I knew we were bringing guys in early on, we need a, a specialist of the field to help these guys get up to a certain level, right? So the way John and I have been running things with City 2 and Tyler Harris, and, and for the most part, I thought it was an amazing job that, you know, we're not the performance directors. We have the GPS and we, based on our knowledge and experience, were able to manage loads, manage training sessions, the highs, the lows, you know, when do we taper down? When do we increase? Um, but knowing we're getting racehorses, pedigree, like these type of racehorses, not that we valued anybody less, right? So I just thought that with our experiences, we would get us to a certain point. But now we need the specialists to come in, um, especially when we have seven overseas guys, especially when they're coming in. One had three months to do nothing. One had six weeks, an off-season in the Bundesliga. One, So they come all different areas of their lives or their conditions right now. So a dedicated fitness approach, and uh, he's been vital. Um, another aspect that I thought Jerry would bring huge value to us he was the guy setting up Minnesota's expansion year. So he's built a gym from the ground up. He's built those foundations. He knows what to look for. He knows what products he needs for a performance environment. And then when he spent his time at uh, New England, I saw these guys progressing into machines. You know, they're a very athletic bunch. They, they're extremely hard to play against. And they're if you look at the whole back line, it's a bunch of college kids, basically, whether it's Farrell, whether it's Brandon Bay or Dewan Jones, you know, um, so, or Kessler right now. So these are all college athletes. 
So just thinking, okay, how do we get to a physical standpoint, a competitive standpoint with a certain physique in mind? So he fits all those bills and that's why we got Jared in just from a from a standpoint of, you know, physical attributions, what we are looking for in our style of play and we feel that's a very good fit and he's already shown, you know, extreme quality not just as a person but also as a professional uh we we are developing a like a, a heartbeat for the club right now and i don't know if we're allowed to say this but everything that we do gets stored whether it be physicals whether it be the the gps data whether it be our training sessions whether it be the academy you've you know it's 15 16 whatever sessions get it goes into the cloud and it goes into the hub you know the portal and we are developing this right now he's played a massive part in developing the algorithms for the physical standpoint what files we can upload to spit out you know what information we need from the physical data components so i'm sure you're going to have a chat with him at some point um to go through all of that but yeah that's a lot more in depth than what i would ever know um so that's why we got a specialist in no stone unturned <laughs> so have you been watching other MLS clubs? Um, like you've you've got a, not not a bit of time off because you're you're very busy. But like, do you do you pay attention to the opposition? Is so that part of your? Sure. If we're traveling and I might go in a day early or I might stay a day longer just to watch an MLS game, you know. So whether we're in market, you know, we might see a in Tacoma watch a Seattle match or in wherever we might have been along the road we've we've caught either a live game or whether it be Portland two weeks ago you know we went to go watch Portland versus Seattle so yeah I, I like to scour around the different conferences one of the conferences I value more than the other one right now you know thinking where we might be positionally or situated next Any season clue on what that one is or top secret not sure you know there are mumblings that it's the west but again you know we just scouring the leagues and having a look and it's always interesting and i followed the league now for the last five years um and it's always interesting to see how certain teams stay true to their styles irregardless or regardless of coaching staff so um it's been a fun process and yeah one that will intensify over the next few weeks as well especially going into playoffs and obviously the transfer you know windows have all closed now and roster freezes are just a, upon us uh, for the mls so yeah they're in for the home stretch now and and we can see what rosters are out there we can start doing our little homework now who are our mock lists for expansions who might be protected unprotected who you know and then when there's the whole college uh, league that we have to start following as well so yeah there's a bunch of work now on the on the back end of the city two season we're ramping up in other in other departments as well any teams you're really looking forward to playing teams who don't play like us yeah <laughs> okay. teams who value the total opposite you know teams who you know enjoy their way and think that our way you know is less superior uh, I would say or they feel they value their way more that's always great little you know yins and yangs or you know little uh, yeah little parameters you build your way we build our way let's see how it goes you know so that's what I'm in, excited to be part of and to see who who values their styling uh, play stylistically you know their style of play one thing I can tell you you know teams that have valued 85% passing accuracy or value the ball every time they we play these teams they get below 74 75 percent so we we create a game that's 
conducive to how we like to play these games, and uh, which is a great testament to the players, which is to the staff. We've all do a little bit to make things ugly. <laughs> right. It's early. <laughs> which doors. is beautiful in our eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is early doors to ask this question, but I thought I'd ask it anyway. Like, um, what are your expectations for season one? Do you have you crystallized that yet, or is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if we took this season, just turn the page, now we blank again, right? You went back to last season, okay, we did X, Y, and Z, and for sure you can never replicate or duplicate it, the exact things. Obviously, the preseason will be different, and obviously certain messages and videos and everything will be different because we've grown within a year. We actually have data. We actually have video. We have, finally, we have our own style of play video. You know, we've created our own style of play, so which is amazing. So turn the blank page. Let's see how we do it. Everything translated what we spoke about, I would say 90%, translated to how we wanted to go about it. And, you know, 22 match days in, we've been competitive. Great. Let's move that to next year. Can it translate? So, you know, we like to think our player pool, whether it's quality player pool personnel, one season we're playing next pro, next season we're playing MLS, right? We've shown with this group we can be competitive against MLS teams, whether it be Cincinnati in preseason or whether it be Colorado Rapids, a full-fledged f- first team in the City 2 Next Pro League. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we were competitive. We, we were 2-1 up until the 96th minute. We conceded a set-piece. Mesquita scores, you know, 2-2. Two, two, rips up one out from you know corner of the the, the box um we went on penalties so we've proven against an mls team we can be competitive with our guys we feel that we'll make a couple of signings we'll get mls expansion players we will get super draft picks we'll bolster the squad in other ways reward maybe a few more guys from city too and then we build our roster from there can it translate there's no guarantees but we feel we've given ourselves the best tools to work for next season that's awesome um so it's a new it's a new club, got new players, got a new stadium, got a new head coach. What can the fans do to help in the first season? Well, you always want support, right? And and I think based on what you see downtown and I think based on when we're training out here, we see people stopping in the car park and, and being in awe of what they've just been seeing, you know, what they're experiencing. And on the Twitter world, you just need to do hashtag STL city SC and, and you can see the chat at what's going on. You know, everyone's talking about the stadium. Everyone's talking about the training facility. Everyone is loving this urban culture that we're creating right now. So the support is there. We sit next to a person who's in a, a St. Louis city native and can't stop talking about the soccer team. And it's so long overdue and it's, and these are just regular people, which it's an amazing, it's, it gives you goosebumps because you are living it with the fans, you're, we are downtown, we're on the display, if you so be, come come over, watch our training sessions, you know, we, we're not hiding, we're embracing people to come and be part of this with us, and uh, yeah, what do we need besides support, you know, we just need fans to come out in numbers, you know, and enjoy the process, and yeah, be excited about our style of play, and hopefully we've done enough through City 2 to build enough of a signature that creates expectation, which creates excitement um, for the product that we want to put on the, on the field in 2023. You, and you've been a professional uh, at clubs with big fan bases, noisy fan bases. Um, as a pro, how important is that connection between the fans and the players? 
I think it's key, right? I mean, I think it's it's it, utmost importance. You need this connection through good times and bad times. It's like a marriage. It's like a friendship. It's like you know, with my brother and sister, we we have ups and downs, you know, through life. But in the end, you stick together, you know. And I think that's the the, the best thing that you're all bought into a project. You're all supporting the project, you know. And we would like to do more. And so we are downtown, you know. And we would like to get into the communities. We would like to do these initiatives, and we would like to connect on a more frequent basis. And believe you me, now with downtown, we will be more in the communities. You know, it's just been a little bit disjointed with us being in different facilities and what have you. Uh, we've done great things uh, off the field this season, but I can only expect to ramp that up next season uh, when we're playing in the MLS to be even more downtown, to be even more in the communities, to be driving initiatives, to be supporting. So I'm excited about what the future holds and uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get excited. That's a, a great way to finish the podcast. I think the fans are going to um, be very excited to watch the football. You have, um, you and the team have set expectations high for next season. It's been phenomenal watching the progress um, on and off the pitch. So um, thank you for joining the City Voice podcast. Um, we're looking forward to seeing more of you. Have you got any uh, any? Signature? No, I mean, when we sat here on the 5th of January, on the 9th of January, we were just talking about you know, the what to do's or the want to do's or, you know, pie in the sky. Now we've created foundations, we've created the structures, we've planted the seeds, things are growing and you can see that, right? So now we have, like I said, we have our own stuff that we drive each other every day with. And uh, yeah, we will just continue to, to empty the tank to, you know, set the standards high only as high as we feel that they should be right now for our growth. And we're growing pretty quickly and we're excited about this. Well, Bradley, thank you for joining the City Voice podcast, uh, sitting here presenting that and listening to you. Like, I'm absolutely hyped again. Um, I think you're doing a great job behind the scenes. Cannot wait to see what is coming in 2023. And if you are listening to this podcast, give it a five-star review, drop a little note to say how much you enjoyed hanging out with Bradley. And thank you so much for being so giving of your time and for giving us such an insight into the plans and what you're doing. No, this has been amazing for me even, you know, because I just get to tell the staff the stats every day. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> nice to share with, with everyone else. So yeah, really good. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to have you on again soon. Um, if you listen to the podcast, uh, thank you. Um, we're going to be back with more of these episodes heading into the end of the year uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.